I say all that because no matter where you were last night, the fight was for your soul. Today, the key word for you is going to be surrender. Surrender. See, I met this herder of yaks one time. You know what some yaks are? You know what a yak looks like? Alright? <laughs> okay, you'll see a picture here in a second. There's one girl. I've never seen a yak. Okay, cool. Yeah. But you know what a yak sounds like? Yak! Right? Or, well, there's a movie, right? Where you've got the... Whoa, don't do that again. That was like a big no-no in the sound world. Don't ever cover the mic. Alright, so I, I, I met this herder of yaks in the Himalayas watching a documentary. Alright, that's how I met him. And we became good friends. And, and he had these 200 yaks. Just a bunch of yaks. And, and what he had to do is he had to take them through this dangerous path that was very narrow, very dangerous. One side was steep cliff and the other side was just a drop off. And he had to take them, these 200 yaks, through this pass to get to the summer grazing, a place of fruitfulness, a place where they get fed, a place where they can have their young, where they can, man, live and have a life. And, and so he had to take them through. It's about 2,000 feet. And it's a very steep grade. It's extremely dangerous. And this, this yakker, my friend, that I met through the documentary, said this. The yaks get scared. He's, he's, he's worried about this whole process because he said when the yaks get scared, instead of just standing still, they freak out and run off the cliff. They, they jump to their doom. They're like, oh, this is scary. Let's just eat it. Let's just, let's just go and hit the bottom. Let's just take it, take it down. Right? And, and I began to talk to my new yak friend, okay, my yak herder friend. And I said, you know, I, I deal with the same thing. Trying to get teens to a place where they can be taken care of, and they have to go through some hard passes. But when they get to those hard mat moments, they just freak out and run off cliffs. They just make bad decisions. Some more bad decisions. I like my yak herder friend from the Himalayas. I, I get him. We should be besties. Him. Now, don't be offended because I just called you a bunch of yaks. All right? Because I've been a yak before, too. I, I've been in places where I freak out. And instead of just standing there waiting for some things that we'll talk about here in a second, I jump. I, I, just, I just move. I make this rash decision, and it just, I'm like falling to my doom. Like, it just made things worse. You ever been there? You make a decision, you're like, whoa, that just made it all seem to go downhill. Right? It's human nature. And when things get hard, we tend to freak out and we try to take things in our own hand and we make poor decisions and we go, wee! Right? That was the yak falling up. It should have been, Right? And we do that. It's just, it, it's our human nature. 
And the nation of Israel is our yaks too. In, in Exodus chapter 12, we were where we see there's here's the English, right? Where we were last night. The Passover land has been sacrificed. The nation of Israel is freed after that tenth plague against the firstborn. And can you imagine? I mean, the celebration. They're finally free of that bondage. Free of that Pharaoh. Free to go. Free to do whatever they wanted to do. Free to serve the God that they've been crying out to for so long. But God knows something about them that they may not realize themselves. God knows that they are in a fragile state. God knows they have been slaves and have never been soldiers. They're not ready for war just yet. When you check this verse, Exodus chapter 13. Oh, there's a yak, by the way. Now you've seen one. Okay. I'm glad I get to introduce the yaks to you. They're cool. Okay. Exodus 13. Man, can you read that? You guys still have good eyesight? Alright, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had led the, let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see, what does it say? War. And they returned to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. See, God has a plan and a purpose. Once one your soul, He does want you to fight. He does want you to go to war. But is that you? Is that can you guys follow me when that happens? Okay, cool. All right. It's like fill in the blank. That's really weird when I said Phil and stopped. He's going to take them on this route so that to prepare them for war. The war they're going to face in the land wanting to take them. But during this time, this time from the release of bondage into the place God wants to, have, to take them, the one that He's promised them, fighting for something. He's fighting for something in the nation of Israel. Remember, he's a man of war. That's our theme. He fought for their soul. Now he's going to fight for their heart. And listen, God uses the time for salvation and before the place he wants to get you, prove himself to prove himself to the believer, to you, to win your heart and mind. Look, and figure, may figure out. Pray for this mic. Alright. Alright, Father, this, this is so huge this morning, and I know it's early morning, it's the second day, there's still excitement, there's still a buzz, you know, the kids aren't, these teens, these adults aren't just dying yet. Yeah, we gotta make these early decisions so that we see it play out for the rest of the week. And this one's a big one, Lord. 
You didn't just come to win our soul. You came to win our love. You came to win our trust. Lord, you're so good And how you knew this nation wasn't ready for war and you wanted to prove yourself to them. You're too good, Lord. We should just want it just because you're God and who you are. You're the highest of highs. Lord, you're the Lord of lords. But you took some time to prove it. And this morning, I, I, I pray that you do the same, Lord. You'll prove it to these young people. You'll prove it to them. You'll win their heart and mind. And they surrender it over to you. We need you to work, Lord. Man, remove the, the prince of the power of the air and that's even working in this mic. It wouldn't be a distraction. It would be full attention to the things that you have to say this morning. And we love you in your name. Amen. Alright, so the nation of Israel come out of the land of Egypt. And what's awesome, God just doesn't say, Creek, you're good, you're out now. No, remember, he wants to bring them in. He wants to bring them to the land. So he gives the nation of Israel a guide. And this guide is pretty amazing. Look at Exodus chapter 13, 21 through 22. Again, I'm going to have a lot of verses up there just because it's just time's sake. Right? But if you want to see it in your Bible, man, I love that. Okay, go do that. But Exodus 13, 21 says this. And the Lord went, the, went before them by day. Can you see the red? Do I need to change that? Can you see that? No. Okay. It's like filling the blank with the PowerPoint, too. This is, all right. God's testing your Bible knowledge. That's what's happening, right? All right, here we go. The Lord went before them by day. It says, in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the here, simply, if the pillar of the cloud or the pillar of fire moved, the nation of Israel were to move. If it stayed still, if it stopped, they were to stop. Can you imagine this pillar of fire? I mean, just this rainbow fire. It coming up. And when it moved, they moved. And, and this pillar of cloud, I mean, like, you open the tent door in the morning and you walk out and there is God. Right? There's the pillar of fire before them. Man, simple instruction, man. Just follow this. And I want you to see that this morning. Hey, the Lord wants to guide you. Write that down. The Lord wants to guide you. The Lord wants to guide you. He mentioned this again in Nehemiah chapter 9. Referring back to this time, it says, Forever that thou us them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and the night by a pillar of fire to give them light. Egypt, let me, let me give you time to write that down. The Lord wants to guide you. Because I want you to see this. If you're good, say, Hey. Hey. Okay, good. All right. Nehemiah 9.12, it says this, Moreover, thou us them in the day by a cloudy pillar, and the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light, 
in the way wherein they should go. I need you to take that, that last phrase, in the way wherein they should go, and just kind of put it back here. Just put it in the back of your brain and hold on to that. And that's going to come, become pretty crucial here in a second. He says it again in Nehemiah 9, verse 19. It says, Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light in the way wherein they should go. Okay, put that in the back of your brain. Okay, hold on to that thought. But this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, maybe you didn't catch it the first time around, but I want you to catch it here. Exodus 13, 21 through 22. You probably can't see it up there. Is this? Verse 21. And the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord went before by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Did you see that? The Lord was in a pillar of a cloud. He's in the fire. The Lord was guiding them just as they come out of the nation of, it, the nation of Egypt. He's there to guide them in the way that they should go. Here, I want you to write this down. God was leading them every step of the way. The living word of God. God was leading them every step of the way with the living word of God. Say it one more time. I was leading them every step of the way with the living word of God. See, Jesus was in the fire. Jesus was in the cloud. And he was leading them not to war just yet. But he's leading them around because he knew they'd seen war right off the bat. They'd repent. They'd say, I don't want to do this. And they'd go back to Egypt. They'd go back to the world. You know, when I read that for the first time, I was amazed. I mean, the simplest things amazed me. I mean, what a sight, right? Every day, every day there was a guide there to lead. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to assume. They didn't have to say, I feel like God is leading me to do this. I just feel like I got to do it. No. Right there. There it is. The living word of God in the fire, in the cloud. You don't have to feel it. So when I saw this, I couldn't wait to tell my wife. I was like, whoa, there's Lord in the fire. And, and I couldn't. You have to know something about my wife. All right. I'm probably going to talk about her a, a lot today because it's a special day. Uh, and I'm going to tell you our story later this week and how God just brought us together. But when it comes to the Bible and counsel, my wife is lit, y'all. Like, she's got it. And so I was like, hey, babe. So I called, hey, babe. Do you know Jesus was in the pillar of the fire and the cloud? Blah, blah, blah. She said, of course. It represents 
the presence of God. And I was like, I, don't, I didn't think she understood. So I'm like, no, like he's literally in it. And she said, well, of course, if you just read it carefully, you see that. Thanks, Ben. Right. <laughs> but we just read over some of these things. We don't see these things. And listen, you've been freed from bondage if you're saved. And every day, there's a guide to lead you. God wants to lead you every step of the way with the written word of God. Write that down. God wants to lead you every step of the way with the written word of God. One more time. God wants to lead you every step of the way with the written word of God. So you don't have to guess. You don't have to assume. You don't have to go, well, I feel like God. Okay. I get the emotion thing. But you have a guide every day, just like the nation of Israel opens up the tent doors and they see the fire. If you just open up the pages of this book, you'll see the, he's in the fire. He's in the pillar of to guide every step of the way. What To what? To war. That's eventually what God's going to lead the nation of Israel to, is the war. They're going to have to fight in the land. But he wants to take them on this route first to prove something to them, to win their heart and soul. And so the first thing he gives them is like, boom, this pillar of fire, this cloud that will lead them. It's him right there, ready for every step. And the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into you. He wants to guide you every step of the way with the written word of God. He's giving you exactly what you need right now to get to war. But here's the key question. You may have to jump in a couple of slides, but here's the key question. Do you trust God to guide you? Because following someone takes some trust, right? I'm sure you've all played the trust games. There's one guy that I remember, Rasby had told the story, actually, he, he got a bandana on, right? You ever play this? And you got to listen to somebody's voice, and you got an obstacle course you got to go through. Well, this dude really trusted his team, like really trusted. So they said, run, and this dude took off, like just started running. And they had a, some, the youth guy that I used to be under, man, he would crank crank. Like you just, the games he would come up with, I'm like, Oh my goodness, someone's going to die. And so anyway, this dude's blindfolded, and not only did he have to run down to the lake, but flip over a canoe, find his paddle, get in the canoe, paddle out to this buoy, and then come back all blindfolded, listening to these people, right? Well, this dude trusted. He was all in with his team, and the team said, run! And he started running. No one told him to stop. He flips over his canoe, and just, I mean, you ever see those guys running full blast? It hit something, that's him. I mean, he was all in. This is a horrible analogy, right? Because I'm trying to get you to trust God, and now I'm using one that, like, why would you trust? Anyway, sorry. But here's the deal. The question is, do you really trust God to guide you? You know, and all my Christian brothers and sisters that have grown in church, well, you're not sure. Okay. In what... Uh, 
I had a story of this. Okay. I had a, a dude that I loved, I discipled, I actually led him to the Lord. He was one of my teens growing up and loved the dude. And he starts doing this whole dating thing, right? We'll talk about that later. But he starts down this path and, and he started to like this girl. I was like, hey man, have you prayed about it? And, and he, he didn't ask, he didn't answer. I'm like, man, this dude just, he just ghosted me, right? Is that the right term? Put me on red, right? Give you the cold shoulder for those that grew up in the 90s. And, no, yeah, so I'm like, wait, this is punk. So we kept doing this. I was sure I came back around again. I was like, hey, yes, yes, Lord, about this thing. And he, he did it again. I didn't answer, just bounced around and went to another subject. And, and this dude, again, had grown up in church. This is a church kid. And so I finally, I was like, dude, have you asked the Lord if you should start doing this? And he finally said, no, I haven't. Like, he's kind of angry. He's like, cool, well, why not? He said, because I don't want to know what he has to say. I'm like, well, why? Well, what if he says no and he gives me someone ugly? Well, which is a legit thought. Like, I've had that thought, right? Like, you're like, Lord, if I trust you, you're going to make me, like, you know, the whole thing, like, I don't want to go to Africa, you'll make me go to Africa. Well, I don't want to marry an ugly dude, and so, Lord, you're going to make me marry an ugly dude, right? Okay, time out. You need to know something about God, right? He knows you. He created you. He ordained this whole thing of marriage, so he knows you probably better than you know you. He ain't going to give you someone you're not attracted to, okay? He ain't going to give you someone ugly. But you know, it wasn't really the dating thing that was his issue. His issue is he didn't trust God to guide him. You know what? Think about this for a second. We trust him to save our eternal soul. But we won't trust him for our daily life. What? Think about that for a second. But here, he's wanting to prove something to the nation of Israel. I'm going to give you myself, and I'm going to be in that fire, in that cloud, and I'm going to lead you every step of the way, but that takes trust. Do you trust God to guide you? You're going to have to answer that question. Hey, listen, I just want to let you know, maybe you know this already, maybe you don't. Having no answer is an answer. You, have, you need to answer that question. And by not giving an answer, it is an answer. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. I love it. Trust the Lord with all thy heart and lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy does it path or paths? Paths. Okay, is it like, you know, I've got 20 options here, and he, man. I can choose whichever. I just got to trust the Lord. I've got different paths I can go. I can have different timelines, right? That's a big thing in Marvel right now. You know, Hudson made me watch Loki the other day. Uh, he didn't make me, but he's like, dude, you got to watch it. You know, the timeline thing and all that jazz, like, does that how this works? Is that why the word is plural, not singular? Doesn't God just have one path for us? Okay, let me, let me clear something up. 
He wants you to trust him. If you'll do those things in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he promises you that he shall direct thy paths. The path that you guys are on right now is the, the young man, young woman, single path. And he's got some things to say to you. And he wants to guide you. But there'll be a day that most of you will get married. And you'll be on the married path. And listen, if you act like a single person while married, that's ungodly. That ain't right. So now you're on a whole new path that he wants to direct. And then some of you guys will get, not only you get married, but you'll have kids. So now you'll be married with kids. Listen, if you act like a married person with no kids, that's ungodly. You're on a whole new path that he wants you to trust him with. And then once you have, you're married and then the kids go, and you still act married with kids, you're trying to still, you know, make your kids obey when they're 30, 40, 50 years old. Like, listen, that's ungodly. And then there's a time where, man, you're maybe a single person again in those older years, and you're acting like a married person when you're single. That's a different path, man. And so each one of those paths, God wants to direct your steps. But it's going to take you trusting Him. Trusting Him with, let's say, with all thine heart. But here's how God proves this. Exodus chapter 14. It says, but the Egyptians pursued after them. Exodus 14, verse 9. It says, And the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, and camping by the sea, besides, yeah, that place, and before, yeah, Baal's Papon, whatever, yeah, right, that one. In verse 10, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They're in a battle. They don't even know it. And look what happens. And they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with thus, dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. They were ready to jump off a cliff. I mean, they were literally saying they'd rather stay under the bondage of Pharaoh than to die free in the fellowship and grace of God. But check. Who led them to this place? Who brought them to this place between the Red Sea and Pharaoh? That fire. That cloud. When you get this principle, when you write this down, God will lead you to a place of hardship for a purpose. Like, come from just 11. Yeah. If you're saved, he wants to prove some things to you too. And he's going to bring you to a place of hardship, a place maybe of no escape, a place of testing, a place where you have to be completely dependent on God, a place where you may just begin to freak out. Remember, we're just a bunch of yaks. And they are. 
They forgot that God saved them. They forgot all the plagues and the ten rounds of the gods. I mean, this just happened. They forgot all the signs. They forgot that there's a cloud of, a, a pillar of fire in front of them. And not only did they forget, they started blaming Moses for their situation. I want you to see this again. See the wording if you can see it on the, uh, on the board. Exodus 14. And they said unto Moses, Because there is no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Man, they're blaming the leader. They're blaming Moses for this thing. When it was the pillar, the fire, and the cloud that brought him here. They freak out. They freak out, and it's leading to a poor decision. But I want you to see what Moses says in Exodus chapter 14. Moses said to the people, Fear ye not. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which He will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Listen, can I give you the three steps to have a yak attack? We pick it up here. Three steps to have a yak attack. One. Be afraid. Freak out. When hardship comes, when it gets tough, when you're put in a spot, man, the nation of Israel hasn't done any sin. They're in this hard place because God put them there. And when you get in a hard spot, don't freak out. If you want, if you want a yak attack, this is how you have it. Freak out. To make rash decisions. Just make rash decisions. Don't think about it. Don't pray about it. Don't ask about it. Just, just do it. Just jump. And then close your eyes or become blind. Start walking by sight, not by faith. Pick that up all from Exodus 14. God will lead you to places that look like there's no way out. That doesn't make sense. But like the yak herder, God is trying to move you to a place that will be better for you. Some of you guys know what you guys say. Man, you're, you're put in homes that are just awful. Some of you guys get saved. Man, you you got to deal with your friends. Some of you get saved. Man, you got to drop some sins. Some of you guys that have been saved, you're led to... Really, really tough decisions. Hard decisions. Some of you guys are led to the place that you're simply just need to let him guide you. But we freak out. We get to have rash decisions and then we become blind. We, we look around and see what's going on. I see some of you guys faded. So let me tell you a story. First Peter 5 8. Right? You guys know that verse. Probably better than I do. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking to be a devour. There's an old missionary that came through, and I was listening to him, and he he'd talk about this rite of passage that happened in Africa. He, he was a missionary in Africa, and he'd be among the tribes, and, and he comes into one of them, and they're doing this rite of passage for their young men, right? Like, made like this strapping young guy, right? And it's time for you to become a man. Right? How old man? 
18, okay, yeah. It's time for you to become a man, okay? And so, right? So, how old are you? Okay, so sorry, I just I was like, okay, okay, these three guys, it's their time to write a passage during this trial. You know what it was to become a man? They had to go kill a lion. I mean, like a, a snake and lion, eh? with teeth and claws. That was what it was to become a man in this trial. And so they're getting hyped. They probably have an Andy in their tribe, and they're trying to get them hyped and get them going and all that kind of stuff. To, Get ready for this battle. As they're leaving, the elders would kind of line up and they'd run through, and this is what they'd tell these young men. Run towards the roar. Run towards the roar. And the missionary's like, isn't that the last thing? Because you run towards the roar, that means the teeth, the claws. See, the elders knew something. They knew that the ones that would roar, and I don't know if this is in every lion, but this is what was in their culture in that place. The lions that roar were the ones that were old. They had no teeth. They were losing their teeth. They had no more claws. They didn't have the stamina like the younger lions. So they'd sit on the edge of the field or in the forest. And the prey, the little gazelles, they would hear the roar and freak out. They would get afraid. And so they would turn and begin to run. They would make this rash decision and run. And they would actually run into the traps and the snares that were led, that were there by the, the younger and strong lions. And so this wisdom was, hey, run towards the roar. And I always thought it was interesting in 1 Peter 5.8, it's a roaring lion. You know the major tactic in teenagers? That enemy doesn't have to do much. You know all he has to do sometimes is we freak out. Their roaring may look like your friends making fun of you. And so you make a rash decision and you get into some sin or some trouble. And you freak out and you kind of just jumped. And you begin to look at sight and you're like, oh man, they're going to look at me different if I don't do this. The roar may be from a, a lost parent. That immediately after camp you come and you're excited, you're ready to do something for the Lord. And the parent says, ah, didn't you do that last year? Or you may be the only one that has to stand in your classroom for the things of God. The roar can come in different fashions, but I think it's interesting. Man, sometimes Satan all has to do is roar and we get scared. And we make some yak decisions. So how to not have yak attacks? It's simply there in Exodus 4.13. Fear you not. Stand still and see. Get some courage. You know, courage isn't the lack of fear. Courage is the overcoming of fear. And he's bringing them to this point so they can trust him, that he will guide them. And so what he needed for the nation of Israel was to learn, hey, just have some courage. And then the second thing is just, just stand still. Just be still. And the third thing is just, just watch just watch. Why do you want to watch? Because he's about to show them. Open your eyes. See the salvation of the Lord. Now this is it. Maybe some life moving things. But if you will do just this. Have some courage. Stand still. And just watch the Lord work. 
I haven't done the study, so I don't know the real statistic, but I know for my life, I win 90% of my battles just not having a yak attack. Because God shows up. You know, it's interesting, Thomas, he gets a bad rap, right, in the Bible. Doubt, doubting Thomas, right? Because, oh, man, Jesus is risen again. He's like, no, I, that didn't happen. You ever look at, he stayed around for eight days. Like, why? If you doubt, why are you staying around? You know, he didn't freak out. He stood still. And what, Jesus shows up, right? He says, my God, my Lord. Listen, there's going to be some attacks. There's going to be some things that come in your life. And a lot of it God has led you to. So he can prove to you that he, he will guide you in and out of those situations. What he's doing is he's fighting for your heart and your mind. And that you'll give it to him. And that you'll trust him to guide your life. Well, what's so cool about this, and we, we just have 15 minutes, if you get Tie in with me. Just bear in. Not only did the Lord want to guide him, the Lord, Lord wants to provide for you. That's your second thing I want you to write down. The Lord wants to provide for you. The Lord wants to provide for you. Man, that looks, that's horrible. You can't see that. Anyway, the Lord wants to provide for you. This is this pillar of fire and cloud. This thing that's been guiding him transforms. Exodus 14, verse 19. And the angel of the Lord, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood behind them. You know what's behind them? Pharaoh, who's coming down on their back. To kill them. To get them. And this pillar that was leading them, now, right behind them. It begins to provide protection for them. As then he opens the Red Sea and they're able to go across. The same God that wants to guide you, he wants to provide for you. If he leads you to a hard place, He's got a way out. Old Frank Pardue, some of you guys don't know that name. He said it this way. If God orders it, he'll pay for it. Listen, if you, man, if you took me out to breakfast, he invited me out to breakfast, I'm coming and I get the mountain scrambler. Oh, so good. And, and my Dr. Pepper. Ooh, you know, and he's the one that invited me. And then, you know, he goes and he's like, hey, we're done eating. He goes to the bathroom and then all of a sudden I don't see him anymore. It leaves me with a ticket. Expects me to pay for it. We made you invited me. You you got this thing going. I, I just kind of assumed you would pay for it, right? See, God, if He orders you to do something in your life, if He invites you to the battle, if you join the battle, He don't just leave you hanging. He will pay for it. He will provide for the work that God will call you to, the war that He'll put you in at your school or your family or wherever that may be. He will provide the way. Have some courage. Sit still. And open up your eyes. And see God provide for you. Here's the key question, though. 
Do you trust God to provide for you? Do you trust Him to provide for you? It's easy to want to take things into our own hands and try to control the situation. But the Lord will lead you to a place where you have no option but to trust Him so He can teach you that He will provide for you. Do you trust Him to fight for you? Do you trust Him to provide? Maybe the college you need to go to, the job you need to have. Do you trust them with the spouse? Do you trust them? You, you know your spot, your area where you don't trust. For the sake of time, though, man, Israel begins after this amazing thing of the Red Sea. They begin to be led by that cloud. And they had to face other battles, other moments of hardness. I'm hungry. Right? They're in the wilderness. I'm hungry. God provides food. I'm thirsty. And it hits the rock and water comes up. Man, it's Amalekites. Man, we, there's this enemy. And he provides a victory. He provides direction. He, man, the necessary to He provides reconciliation. He provides fellowship. Each trial pictures the situation God allows you to come into. It's an opportunity for you not to have a yak attack. In our youth group back in the day, you know, I was, I was leading in. The saying used to be, Cody eats stress for breakfast. Like, they just all assumed I could just handle whatever problem came my way. It was cool for a youth group because that brought a lot of trust. And I see that same trust that you have in your leaders and in Stephen and his wife. Hey, like, there seems to be this trust in them that, you know what, they can handle man, some things that I can share with them. And, it doesn't necessarily freak them out or stress them out. You know, it's not because of anything we are, but who He is in our life. And we just don't trust Him. We trust that He's going to guide us in this situation, and we just have to wait for the answer. We trust that He's going to provide, and we just got to wait for His provision. It's not that I really enjoy eating stress for breakfast. I just knew how to handle it. I'm, I'm talking to you guys like you're adults. You guys have some stress in your life, some things, some hardships, some problems, some things that come in. I'm telling you what, you'll win 90% of your battles from here on if you'll learn from God how to handle the stress by trusting Him. Yeah, I have countless stories we just won't go to. We have to get to number three. Number three, the Lord wants to dwell with you. The Lord wants to dwell with you. In Numbers 14, 14. So three is the Lord wants to dwell with you. Number 14, Numbers 14, 14. It says, will tell it to the inhabitants of, of this land. For they have heard that thou art Lord among his people. The Lord art seen face to face. And that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day in a pillar of cloud, and a pillar over fire by night. And what's interesting in Deuteronomy, that same pillar that's been its guide, been their, been their guide, that same pillar that has provided for them, now is that same pillar that lands on the tabernacle and begins to dwell with the nation of Israel. Not only does the Lord want to provide for you, he doesn't want to guide with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to dwell with you. 
You must have fellowship. And that's the sweet stuff. Yeah, cool, the, the battles, man, those are fun. But the reason you have the battles is so you're safe at home, right? Like you're protecting home. The dwelling is where life really happens. And that's what God wants. He's like, man, I want to get you to a place where you're not freaking out. I can provide for you. I can guide for you. But I also, or guide you, but also, I want to do life with you. So they can open the tent door and look out. Oh, God is with you. Young people, can you look at your life and say, God's with you? That God dwells with you. But here's the key question if you've ever been with somebody, right? There should be some kind of level of trust. And don't you hate when your brother or sister kind of steals a sweatshirt or a shirt? What are you doing? Anyway, here's the key question. Do you trust God to dwell with you? Here's what I mean by that. Colossians 3.16. 3.16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word let means allow. But here's the reason you don't, if you want God to come dwell with you because he, you know there's something in your house. That you don't want him to see. There's some sin in a hidden room in the depths of your heart. And if you let Christ through his word dwell in you richly, meaning he has every opportunity to go into any room. Listen, I and I have an issue with pornography and, and I'd go into the basement, lock the door. And the reason I locked the door is because I didn't want anybody to come in. I dwell with the rest of my family except in that room. Right? And some of us won't let, we, man, it destroys our fellowship with the Lord because we don't let Him dwell in us richly. Meaning that we don't trust Him with this area of our life. Lord, yeah, I can trust you here. I can trust you here. But when it comes to this, I think I know a little better. Or I like my sin a little better. I like my flesh a little better. So you can't have this room. You can have all of this but not this, and that's not life. That's not the fellowship he's desiring. And so again, he wants to prove to you that's, that's worth it to surrender your heart to him. Can I ask you, do you have trust issues? Do you have trust issues? You can't surrender your life to him. You can't let him guide you. You can't let him provide for you. You can't let him dwell with you. And why this is so important for the battle? Because our, our, man, our God is a man of war. Because you can't have a yak attack in battle. You can't. You know what happens when you have a yak attack in battle? People die. If you freeze and you have fear in the middle as bullets are flying, your comrades are dying. The people you came in to save are going to die. You can't have a yak attack in battle. So he knows, hey, listen, I'm going to take this time to prepare them and train them so when they get to the giants in the land, they ain't going to yak. Listen, this is a time for you that God's preparing you. 
So when you go back to school, Jackson High, is that one of them, right? Whatever your school is, there are souls that are there that need you not to have a yak attack in class. There's souls in that school that are needing someone to stand for Christ and be an example. But they don't need ones that are afraid. They need ones that are courageous and that be still and let the Lord provide and they're watching. That's not the time to have a yak attack. Because souls are on the line. But not only that, you got brothers and sisters that are watching that need you. That need the guys that are 17, 18. That are proving out that this is real. And not having yak attacks and quitting, jumping off cliffs, doing dumb stuff. You know when one yak jumps, the other yaks jump. Man, we just gonna say Numbers 14. They go through all this time between the bondage, being free from the bondage, and getting to the land. And you think by now they got it. In Numbers 14, though, they get to the land and they send 12 spies in. Ten were bad and two were good. You guys know that song? See a church here. And they lead up to this moment. They send the spies in. And they come back. They have an evil report. And it melts their heart. This whole time, God has been proving to win their heart and mind. So they don't, they know, they've already faced the Amalekites. They've already seen these things. They saw all this stuff. And they get there. And in Numbers 14, they have the yak attack. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or God, we had died in the wilderness. Now they're not blaming Moses, they're blaming God. We're not better for us to return to Egypt. But here's the kicker. There were two. That God won their heart. Joshua came. Two in 603 something thousand men. God proved it out to two. Now we don't have 600 something thousand people here. So the odds are not in your favor. They're not. Would there be two? God has proved enough to you. Say, I am surrendered. That you have my heart, God. You have my mind. You bought, you won, you won my soul, but you've done this, you've done this, you've done this, and you have my heart and mind. So then when it's ready for battle, he doesn't have to. Here's the issue it's not that you trust God, does God trust you? And I have a yak attack. Has he proven himself to, to you enough to you wholly follow the Lord? We're at a camp much like this. I'm a teenager. I'm probably 17 at this time. We used to, one of the reasons I ended up in Florida. Can I have 10 more minutes? Is that cool? Is that good? I'm, I'm asking you. I, I cherish your time, so can I have 10 more minutes? Okay, if you haven't listened to anything, this is the time that... Get back, click in, right? I'm at a camp like this. I'm 16, 17 years old. We would drive down to Florida to have camp. But you all are invited. Come on down. We'd love it, all right? I drive down. And so, man, the preacher's going. 
harder than I am. Like, man, you just get it. You need to be Jesus freaks. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so he's like, all right. It's at the end of the service. You know, that time that's really awkward but really needful because you need to make a decision. He's like, all right, everybody that wants to be sold out, wants to surrender, please stand. Well, of course, you know, everybody starts standing. And he had to know this guy. He, he's really intense. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand it. Sit back down. And he went through it all again. What sold out means, surrendered means. And he played it all out again. All right, now, if you fully understand that, stand. Well, now, then I'll tell it from another guy's perspective. This guy, this was his youth group. It wasn't my youth group. I was just visiting. And he's sitting kind of over there. This is what God wants me to do, and He's proved He's another church kid. He's proved it time and time again to me. I don't need another thing to give up my heart and my mind. So He stands. He's over there, and He's kind of looking forward. He looks over to the other side, and there's another guy standing. He's like, "Who is that punk? Who is he?" I mean, He just got his heart right on the Lord, and now He's like talking about some punk across the room, right? And He's like. Who's this dude? The other dude with me. Answering that surrender call. Knowing not only he fight for me, but he won my heart and my soul, or my mind. That dude's my head deacon now. I was living in Missouri. Two guys from two different worlds making the same commitment. And God has brought us to us, and now he's my head deacon. And we're ministering together, two guys that stood at camp. We chose not to have the attacks. Fully surrendered. I love it. It's one of the sweetest things that I always look at this evening. You made that decision at camp, man. Love with me. I was the punk. Again, why is this important? Because you can't have the attacks. Okay, I asked for 10 minutes, I got five more. Turn with me to Psalms 103. I'm going to talk to you, uh, my brothers and sisters, my church kids, right? my church teens, my church adults, what are you doing? Call yourself. My church peeps. Is that good for Okay. Psalms 103. If you're still on the fence, I'm not here to try to convince you, I'm just presenting the information. If you're like, you know, I don't know. He's won my heart and my mind. I don't know if I'm ready to surrender. Psalms 103. Starting in verse 1. It's not going to be on the screen. It's going to be before you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Check this. And forget not all His benefits. I'm going to list some of the benefits to you. Three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Is that not enough to surrender to him? He's made you clean. Everything you've done in the past is wiped away. You're a new creature in Christ. And when you stand before him, he sees you perfect. Whatever you've done, it don't matter. He doesn't care where you've been. He cares where you're at and where you're going. 
that enough to surrender? Hey, if not, I don't mean this in a big way, but later to see a Christian, if that's not enough, church kid, church people, sorry. I'll give you another benefit. Who healeth all thy diseases. Like, oh, I've got this, I've got this. No. See, the Bible never sees a picture of sin. He's healed you spiritually. He's healed you of those things and can continue to heal you as more pain and hurt than the things you go to. Is that enough to surrender? How about another benefit? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Listen, without God, you're on a path of destruction. And even if you have them, if you don't play the biblical principles, if you don't follow them in obedience, your life will end up in destruction. It will lead to corruption in your life. There will be sin, and you will see life just fall apart. Listen, he has redeemed thy life from destruction. Redeem your life from penalties. Redeem your life from lake of fires. Redeem your life from a life of sin and all the destruction that means. Is that enough? Do we need more? Let me give you some more. Who crowneth me with loving kindness and tender mercies? Give you love and kindness, tender mercies. He doesn't give you what you don't, what you do deserve. This is a hard concept made for you to grasp because of your physical father, which we'll talk here in a couple of every, in a day or so. But listen, let's put that on you. He loves you. He's kind with you. He's merciful with you. Is that enough? If not, here's another thing. You need it. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like angels? He satisfies your hunger with good things. I'm talking spiritually here. He will make it. He is enough. He will satisfy you. You will find fulfillment in Him. He gives you that. He'll give you a purpose. He'll give you a plan. And He'll give you good things that satisfy you. Is that enough to surrender to Him? Listen, we don't have time to read the rest of it. You can't hear your devotion, but simply put, my time is up. I'm right at 1055. Does He have your heart and mind? Do you trust Him? Listen, if you're being honest, he has done enough. Will you finally say, you know what, I've had enough. And truly trust him with all your heart, with all your mind. And surrender your life to him. I'm going to pray and see this in a vision. Father, I love you and thank you for this time. It's crucial. It's a morning session. It's not meant to be intense, but it does lead up to these other things, especially tonight. If we if we haven't experienced salvation and we don't grasp this idea of surrender and haven't given you our heart and mind, and then we don't let you guide us and provide for us and Lord and dwell with us, Lord, then the rest of this week, man, it just kind of goes to the wayside. And so, Father, Lord, I just pray that we truly grasp this. And I don't know 
it's, if it's on the way to the field or whatever season dictates, Lord, just that we would hold these truths to me and pull those things out of the back of our head that you want to take us in the way. And that may mean hardships, but that's to prove that you can handle the things in our life and that we can safely put our trust, we can safely put our heart and mind in your hands and leave it there that we can't cast all our care upon you because you you have proven it that you can handle it. And Lord, so Lord, I pray that you would just surrender. That's all this year's fun thing. Amen.